stick goes into the net. Hartman knocks Lukanen down to get the stick. Back the other way comes Dolene. He'll drop it back. Krebs across. Scores! Victor Dolesen in overtime. And the Sabres win it 6-5 with 18.3 seconds left in the extra period. Boy, that was a great call. That was a great game for my money. The best overtime I have seen. There are a lot of contenders, however. Um, a couple of things. Welcome to the program as we kick off another week here uh, on the show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. What we try to do on Mondays is pull out things that were noticeable uh, from the weekend. Maybe things that you might have missed because who can watch all this stuff all at the same time? Um, and that, that, to me, like my big takeaway from this weekend was that overtime. Minnesota Wild, Buffalo Sabres, and there's a couple of reasons why. One, it's great to see a packed house in Buffalo. It's great to see those fans turning out uh, in the the numbers that they're turning out right now and that building to be electric and to be charged and to have the Buffalo Sabres deliver like that. Now, I don't think you have to be a Sabres fan um, to enjoy that overtime, even if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, like there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Like Flurry save on Tuck, outstanding. Flurry save uh, on the Skinner breakaway, outstanding as well. Uh, Lukanen on Brodeen was fantastic. Lukanen on Addison was outstanding. Um, that was just like even if you're not a fan of either team, just watch it. Just like the the, the pure enjoyment of a three on three overtime. Like, that was as close to brilliant as we've seen. And also, and I was mentioning this on the podcast, and I'll go into it in a little more detail here, and I was kind of trying to figure out what music best goes with that overtime because this was a slow build. Like, this was slow build into a crescendo. The melody rises and falls and rises and falls and builds up to a, a heightened frenzy. And then, as Dunleavy says, Victor Golovson on the one-timer ends this thing. And I'm going to go back. This is how much of a loser I am. And if you're a loser like me, maybe you want to do the same thing. Um, I've tweeted out the entire overtime. Sportsnet put it up on its YouTube so you can see the entire thing. To me, with the way that the, the flow went and the way that the tempo changed all throughout and it was mellow with regroups and it was exciting with both teams forechecking and attacking the net as well only to see more regroups and a slow build to that crescendo at the end this was bolero man um this was ravel's bolero and after the show i just put this together in my head before the program like this was kind of like bolero i'm gonna turn the volume down on the overtime and i'm gonna put on bolero and, and and see if it matches up now a couple of things. Now, I put this out on Twitter a couple of hours ago, and I just said, was this the greatest overtime ever? Is this the best three-on-three that we've seen? And there are a couple of other contenders that people have mentioned. Uh, one of the ones right away was Philadelphia-Tampa, which was outstanding. I retweeted that one. You can have a peek there. That one would have been from either 2015 or 2016 I believe that one was from there was another <clears throat> I was talking to my buddy Mike Jello about this this morning texting with him there was a Detroit Ottawa overtime in 2016 but that was you know five minutes of sprints I enjoy that I enjoyed a lot more than just endless regroups in the neutral zone but to me this one had artistry about it and the other one 
which many people have pointed out as well. And just when you think of the gravity and you think of the names involved and you think about how Team North America, you know, one day we're going to look back on this team and we're going to say, wow, how many Hall of Famers ended up being on this squad? And look at all these players that completely revolutionized the game. And that team, as anyone from that team will tell you, achieved absolutely nothing other than maybe changing the way that hockey was played in the NHL and certainly all around North America, the Team Sweden versus Team North America overtime certainly has to be in that conversation. But for me, top four, and I'll put that Buffalo-Minnesota game that we saw on the weekend as number one. You go Buffalo-Minnesota, the Philly-Tampa game has to be in there, Detroit-Ottawa, and the World Cup with Sweden, uh, and Nathan McKinnon just sprawling out Henrik Lundqvist uh, on a gorgeous play. Those, to me, have to be the top four. One more thing I want to mention before we get rolling here today on the program, Elliot Friedman on the other side. Happy birthday to Bruce Boudreaux, who today turns 68. Um, and as I wondered on Twitter, how much is that in coaching years to which Patrick M. submitted one year coaching in Vancouver is 17 years in time. Welcome to the Jeff Merrick Show. Let's get started. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, we're standing by for free cheer. will join us here in a couple of seconds. Latest podcast, by the way, is out the Monday morning uh, podcast. Bottom of the hour, I'll talk to Luke Gazdick from the NHL on Sportsnet. Uh, former NHLer. We'll get to the the Edmonton Oilers situation here. And this is year, what is it, year eight of the McDavid Oilers. And by the way, Hart Trophy is done, right? Like, I feel bad for a lot of players. I really feel bad for, like, the Tage Thompsons of the world because having just a spectacular season. But this thing, like, the Hart Trophy, you already got to give it to Connor McDavid. But when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, I I didn't think that any of us thought we'd be in this spot right now where on January 9th we'd be talking about the Edmonton Oilers and wondering if they're going to make the playoffs. Like, we thought this was going to be a season where we'd be talking about the Edmonton Oilers and wondering who they would play in the Stanley Cup final and if they could win the Stanley Cup not, could they just squeak in and make the playoffs, saying nothing about doing any damage. Luke Gazdick joins me at the bottom of the hour. We have a new feature, Random Player of the Day, coming up to kick off Hour 2. Haley Salvian from The Athletic and Hockey Central 960 stops by. We'll talk about... An interesting weekend for the Calgary Flames, losing last night in overtime on a gorgeous play by both Reichel and Domi. We'll get into that in a couple of seconds. Um, split in the weekend, we'll talk about the Calgary Flames. Tarek Al-Bashir of The Athletic will talk to us about Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, and the Washington Capitals. And maybe we'll begin that conversation with Elliot Friedman now from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. How are you today? Random player of the day. That is a Jeff yeah. Merrick segment if I've ever heard one. Okay. So we're doing random player of the day. So we're getting people to both tweet and email in just a random player, and I'll tell a story about the player. I mean, it's old story time gimmick, right? Just give me That's a name, good. and I'll tell you a story that goes that 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 goes along with it. Um, and that'll kick off hour two. Uh, so I think today it looks like today we're doing Braden Holtby. So mm. that should be a lot of fun. I got a really good I got a really good story about Braden Holtby I can share. Um, coming up in a little bit. In the meantime, oh by the way, I can't the wait till they start coming up see- with like. Alf Skinner or stuff like that. Guys from 1921. 
Elliot, that's why we that's why we started this segment. Like, there's a lot of like players that have played in the last 10, 15 years. I get it. I'm waiting mm-hmm. for like the guys from the 20s and the 30s yeah. and the 40s, so I can really dig uh, dig deep on some of these guys. By the way, did you see that person that tweeted us that said uh, you sound like uh, Vito Corleone? Yes, I sure did. It's the the best tweet I've ever received. <laughs> How is the voice today? It's not bad. It's uh, like it's uh. It's going up and down. Some days better than others. Yeah. Well, you sound all right. So we'll see how long we'll we'll uh, we'll try to keep this to a, to a minimum here today because I know your voice is uh, an issue. But um, speaking of scratched, like your voice, uh, Anthony Mantha yesterday, Washington Capitals. They beat the. Yep. Columbus Blue Jackets yesterday. I want to get to Mantha in a couple of seconds, but it's the return of Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson. Uh, one yeah. of these years, Elliot, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop counting out the Capitals because for a number of years I've said aging curves, injuries, blah blah blah. This is the year they fall off the cliff, and every yeah. year I'm proved wrong. One of these years yeah. I'm gonna smarten up and start and you know stop betting against the Capitals, and that'll be the year they finally do fall off the cliff. Um, but do you have a thought on Backstrom yesterday? I found it interesting in his, in his post-game, he said he was nervous for the first time in a long time, nervous to play a game. you have a thought on Backstrom, a thought on Wilson before we get to, uh, to the scratching of Anthony Mantha? I wasn't surprised to hear that, Jeff, because I think when you're coming back from a procedure like that one, you're thinking you're going to be okay and you're hoping you're going to be okay, but you don't really know, right? You never know what it's going to yeah. be like that first time you take contact. Um, you never know what it's going to be like uh, when you really – like you can go hard and practice, but when you're in a game and that adrenaline's really going and, and you know, the guys are coming at you and you're trying to make a play, you, you can't fake that. You can't practice that really. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure he was nervous. I would be nervous because you want to make sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, and while you believe it will, you just don't know. So I wasn't surprised to hear that. I I have to tell you that Backstrom's entire comeback to me is amazing. Uh, I've been doing some work yeah. on it. And I, I remember when I, when we heard about this last year, um, you know, the odds were really against him. And I think also, too, that if he did come back, I didn't even know if people thought it would be this quickly. Uh, you know, the first week of January was, yeah. I don't know how many people's minds it was on. But it certainly wasn't on everybody. So I, I think it's an incredible accomplishment. Um, I actually thought Columbus played pretty well yesterday from what I watched. Um, sometimes yep. when teams get, get a whole bunch of players back, they're a little discombobulated as everybody finds their role. Um, I think that did happen a little bit to Washington yesterday. But yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Don't count them out. And I'm, I'm really happy for Backstrom. I'm, I'm really Really happy for Backstrom. It'll be really curious to see how his career gets contextualized once he retires. I mean, Ovechkin's reputation. I mean, that's. I mean, he 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 long long ago crossed over the threshold of well, is he going into the Hockey Hall of Fame? So I mean, yeah. that conversation's already wrapped up. I I am fascinated with Backstrom. 
I think he's been a tremendous two-way player for a lot of years and hasn't had the yep. headlines. And you know how I you know, go through various drafts, and I'm always curious about, okay, so who won this draft? Like, which player comes out? Like, which player is the last man standing from each draft? And who has the most points from each draft? And you go back to 206, and that's a draft with, you know, Kessel and Claude Giroux and Brad Marchand in the third round and Jonathan Tate. Nick Backstrom's number one for points. Like he's outproduced yep. all of them. Over he's the only player in that draft over a thousand points. I, I am really curious, Elliot, how we look back one day and contextualize Nicholas Backstrom's career. Do you have a thought on that already? Well, I think that the one thing everybody has to remember is that you know Nick Backstrom has never won any major trophies. Most of the voting there is done by the media. The Hall of Fame isn't voted on by the media. The Hall of Fame is voted on by people who are kind of in the game. The, uh, the group that, of, of 18, I guess it is, and most of them are you know, former players or executives. And I think I actually help. it actually helps a guy like Backstrom because those are people who would understand maybe – I don't think necessarily it means that the media doesn't understand how good, it is, how good he is. I think we do, but he's not the sexiest mm-hmm. name in a lot of voting. And I, I think that won't matter to the Hockey Hall of Fame. They'll look at him as simply as, is he a deserving player to get in? And I can see him getting in. I think, I, I think the fact that he had such a huge – I mean, Ovechkin's going to score a ton of goals because of who he is. Yeah. But Backstrom is going, to, is going to be remembered as the guy who assisted on what percentage of them. I think that's going to help him. I, I really do. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he gets in. And I think things like this, they only improve your case because they show that how competitive he is and how much hockey means to him. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one more final thing on the Capitals from yesterday. Anthony Mantha scratched in that game. Uh, you have a thought? You know, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, you know what my first thought was, Elliot? My thought What's was that? going back to his rookie season with the Detroit Red Wings and – I remember he was criticized for saying it because Anthony Mantha is just starting his pro career coming off, you know, scoring 81 goals in 81 games with Valdor, but how Jim Devolano wondered if he's ever going to work out at the pro level. Like, does he have it? And I remember thinking to myself, holy smokes, like the kids, the kids are rookie and already like the, the Red Wings organization is, is coming down hard on him. And there's always been that question mark. Like, what is Anthony Mantha going to turn into? We've seen the potential um, he's got you know a tremendous shot when he's on. He's uh, just a beast out there. Does he? Do we see that every night? No. You have a thought on the latest chapter here in Anthony Mantha's career, getting getting healthy scratched? Well, I was thinking about it in the context of uh, the trade too. You know, Verano was on waivers last yeah. week, and and Mantha follows yeah. up with uh, the the healthy scratch. Um, it, so you're looking at two teams that are kind of unhappy with how this trade has worked out for them. Um, you know, Manta, it's, it's interesting. I, the, the, the people who are his biggest defenders, what they say to me is he's never really gotten first power play time in Washington. And I bet you what the Capitals would say is, well, look at our first power play, number one. And number two, you've really got to earn it. And um, I, yeah. I, look, like I don't think teams bench – good players for no reason. I think they have reasons that they do this. 
and they clearly wanted to send them a message and we'll see how that message is received. Like one of the theories I had about there when the news first broke about Brock Besser was would a Besser for Mantha trade make any sense? And, um, you know, because, you know, Besser is looking for a fresh start and maybe Mantha needs one too. Now, I don't know that that yeah. works, to be perfectly honest, Jeff, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious about it. I, I, like, I, I would be curious, I, I mean, like, like just not not that move specifically, but that kind of thing. Like either the Capitals are trying to send him a message, or maybe this is conversation that um, you know the Capitals who need some cap room at least for this season might be inclined to talk about this. Uh, okay, you mentioned Brock Besser and the Vancouver Canucks. They dropped a tough one seven four yesterday um, at the hands of the. I got to say, amazing Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Cal yeah. Connor with the hat trick. Um, Axel Janssen Fialbi, who may have the best hair of anybody in the NHL. That thing that he has is glorious. If you haven't seen yes. it, uh, go check it out, folks. It is beautiful. A three times waiver claim. Janssen Fialbi, to me, is a fascinating guy. Claimed on waivers three times. Seems to have found a real nice home here with the Winnipeg Jets. They've won five goal, five games in a row. Maybe the only highlight here for the Vancouver Canucks is Bo Horvat scores again. Real nice goal. Um, and today's Bruce Boudreaux's birthday. He's 68 years old. Elliot, uh, to which I, uh, to which I wondered on Twitter, how much is that in coaching years? Because as we know, that position can age you. Quicker. Oh yeah. Do you have a thought on, on Vancouver slash Winnipeg from yesterday afternoon? That was a, that was a fun game. It was a fun game. Uh, a lot of offense. Um, uh, I thought yep. uh, the Ekman Larson Myers pair had a had a rough day uh, for Vancouver. Yeah. It was a, it was a tough day for them. Um, I, I just think the Jets, uh, like they, I give them a lot of credit. They 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 find ways to win. Uh, that was a game that was available for either team, and the Jets found a way to do it. And uh, um, it's just it's just been a really tough season in Vancouver. Like that to me, that's a fifty-fifty game. Not every game is a fifty-fifty game. There are some games where you look and you say, "All right, this is this team's night," or "This team doesn't have it." I thought for a while there that was a fifty-fifty game that one of these two teams is going to grab it, and it was simple to me, Jeff. Winnipeg did, and Vancouver didn't. Uh, Winnipeg is awesome. Like I, I don't know, like at the beginning of the season, you know, they'd pile up some wins and you'd say, okay, but eventually this is going to level itself out because we're used to seeing the Winnipeg Jets, most specifically last season. You know, anytime they would get some momentum going, they'd go crashing into a wall and it'd be an extended losing streak. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen to this to to this edition. And now they have, you know, we've talked about it before, but Ehlers is back, which adds a whole new dimension to that team. Connor Hellebuck is, is Connor Hellebuck. Like, this is, like, I, I wonder about this team come trade deadline time. And I always wonder about teams that, you know, sort of splash back on the, uh, on the front page and how sensitive a room can be and how sensitive managers are. Although, at the same time, you have to balance out trying to reward your team with something for good play Mm-hmm. Against, we don't want to disrupt the room. Like it's a really, it's a really fragile situation when you're doing that. Um, you're Kevin Dayoff. What are you doing with this team now? I mean, everyone's having their scouting meetings, both pro and amateur. You're the Winnipeg Jets. What are you thinking here? 
Well, I, I think, first of all, he's generally very careful. So I always kind of think of things sort of in that prism. Um, you know, like, I, I, I look at them and, like, I, I, again, I think your players decide. And the players have decided this year that they are worth helping out. So that's the number one thing I look at. You know, the, the thing is, I remember, they traded for Kevin Hayes. And it just didn't work. Yep. Um, you know, unfortunately, it just didn't work. Sometimes that happens. I, I think one thing about them is they like trading for players who have term uh, over rental. I completely understand that from their point of view. And, I, I, you know, I just I look for that. Like, I think they will try to help their team. And they, they've, they're certainly in a position where they deserve it to happen. But the one thing I always look at with them is who's got term who makes sense for them. That's kind of the thing I, I always wonder. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Um, we talked a little bit on the podcast yesterday about the Chicago Blackhawks, and you mentioned Lucas yeah. Reichel and the goal that he scored between the legs. Gorgeous. So that game ends up in overtime, and Chicago wins, and it's a great combination of Lucas Reichel and Max Domi. Uh, I talked on HockeyNet a couple of weeks ago how, you know, don't be surprised if, you know, Domi isn't a trade piece, but rather resigns uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll see what happens there. Do you have a thought? I mean, Domi seems to have, I don't want to say recreated himself, although he is playing at center and it's a position we're not used to really seeing him play a whole lot. Do you have a thought on Max Domi and the Chicago Blackhawks and if he can add anything to the conversation about Pat Kane that we did on the pod and you mentioned on Saturday as well, that would be great. But just the Hawks, Domi, Kane, what's happening there? Well, I saw some articles today about how Domi could end up staying or being a long-term piece in Chicago. And I was like, this is plagiarism. They are stealing Jeff's ideas. <laughs> so, um, look, I, I, it's I, just information, just information. No, I think it's out and out plagiarism. Give yourself some credit. Uh, I did, like, <laughs> okay, for Domi, like, I, I'm just happy he's, he's, he feels that he's uncomfortable in the place, right? I mean, he's bounced around. He's yeah. been in a few different places. Um, Sometimes when you get a little bit older, you sit there and you say, I just want somewhere that's home. And it looks like Chicago could be that place for him. So I, I think, like, Chicago's had a couple of, like, they beat Arizona and then they beat Calgary. And that, that's a really tough loss for Calgary. A, a really tough loss that for is. the Flames. you got you got to have that one. Um, but, you know, McCann, who, or sorry, Jake McCabe, who scored and uh, the Friday goal was going out of his way to praise the crowd. And, I, and they were going pretty bonkers last night when both Reichel scored and uh, when they won the game in overtime. So I know it's a tough season for them, but you got to give your fans a reason to turn out. And, you know, maybe Reichel does that to some degree. Uh, but, but, but I think, you know, I, I think the Domi thing is interesting. You, you have to have players and you have to have pros, particularly when you're turning your team over. So that makes sense to me. You know, as for Kane, we were just spit, spitballing on the podcast. Their, their next game is Thursday. They're playing the Avalanche. And, you know, they decided to give him last night's game off so he has some extra time to rest. It was just me spitballing, Jeff. But I'm just wondering if, if, if he does need something, like to, to fix an injury, as some people do suspect, yep. I just wonder if a one-year extension makes sense. You know, he goes, he gets mm-hmm. fixed up. And he plays another year there, and then they kind of sort this all out. But, again, 
that's just my opinion. You know, I just want to say one thing about the Flames. Um, you know, sure. I was really excited when they called up Pelche. I, I really want to see this guy yes. uh, at the NHL level. I mean, he's a point-a-game player uh, in the American Hockey League. And, you know, I, I really hope we do get a chance to see him and not only see him, but like, like kind of in like a, a, a scoring position. Um, you know, I know they've got uh, they've got back-to-backs coming up with uh, St. Louis. Um, I, I hope we we see him on a higher line because I think the Flames need uh, a little bit of a boost. And you know, he didn't get a chance to play yesterday. I think if you're gonna, I think you have to show your young players in your organization that there is a future for them there. And, you know, they called up Phillips, who's been killing it at the American Hockey League level, and he really didn't get much of an opportunity. I think you have to show these kids that there's a future for them in your franchise. And that's why I, um, you know, that's why I look at Pelche. I really hope we see him in one of these games against St. Louis because I think the Flames need to show him that. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned those games against the St. Louis Blues because I, I looked at the schedule this week and those are the two that stood out to me for one very specific reason. Coming off of COVID, I thought we would see more of this. And just so our listeners and viewers know what I'm talking about, the Calgary Flames are playing two games this week against the St. Louis Blues, Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. Both games are in St. Louis. I thought that one of the things that was you know that we we're going to see more of coming out of COVID was if you're going in to play a team once by way to conserve travel, money, all of it, you end up playing two games, whether they're spaced yep. apart by a day or they're back to back. You're playing two. What? Where did that conversation vanish to? Well, I don't think it completely vanished, Jeff. Um, as we've had a few, I think one of the problems is is that. There, if you really look at it, because of the unbalanced schedule, there's lesser opportunities for it than I think everybody kind of right. thought there would be. So there, mm. like it's, it, you know, for example, for example, like Calgary and St. Louis, you know, you only play the other team. I, I don't know if this is a year they play three or four, but it means two road games against the other team. And if you're if you're playing an unbalanced right. schedule, can you make it work with the other games and the other building availabilities? Like I think they'd like to do this a little bit more. I really do. But when you look at the whole matrix, that's why I think they're taking a look at this whole matrix thing. And I won't. I don't think it'll be for next year. I think it might be for a year down the road. But it is going to be a conversation. That's why they're looking at the whole schedule. I think to see if they can kind of fix this and make it easier to do it. Wrapping up, um, what did you make of Boston's California road trip? A perfect three. I love, and I love the Yankees suck chance last night. That was something. <laughs> that really was something. They outscored their opposition sixteen to five, and this is after yeah. the Winter Classic. And Jake DeBrusque is the hero, and third period heroics, and he's got the fractured fibula, and it's like, oh, they take such a key piece out of the lineup, and they just keep rolling along, and. You know, David Pasternak has seven goals in California. Like, this team is an absolute machine right now. Yes. Like, absolute machine, Elliot. You know what that is? That's, um, that is a team that everybody's got high IQ. And 
if you're plugged into another spot, maybe you're not as good a player as the player you're replacing, but you know what you're supposed to do and you know what your responsibilities are, right? Like that's, that's mm-hmm. the way it works. Like, you know, one of the things I was, was happiest for was when they beat San Jose, um, you know, Craig Smith got a goal because, you know, he's had a really nightmare yeah. of a season. It's been a hard year for him. Yes. But, like, the one thing yeah. is, like, when guys get hurt and guys have to move up the lineup, they all they, they go into those spots and they say, okay, this is what my role is. This is what I'm here to do. This is what's expected of me. And they all do it. Now, I think long-term, if you lose your best players, it's a much more difficult thing to overcome. But in the short term, if everybody understands that, you can handle it. Mm-hmm. Four games this evening, Flyers-Sabres. Uh, oh, by the way, just a quick one on that one. Craig Anderson looks like he gets a start tonight for Buffalo. Um, Preds and nice. Sens, Kraken, Coyotes, Oilers, Kings. Quick thought on the Sens, and we'll let you get on with uh, your day and and uh, taking care of that throw with some, some tea. Uh, we played this game of what's up with and yes. two sort of random names out at you. One of the players that I forgot to throw at you from the Ottawa Senators is Tim Stutzla. Like, mm-hmm. we're waiting for the breakout moments, and I think we're seeing it right now, 11 points in six games. Uh, we spent some time with him when we were in Germany this past summer as well. You did yep. a, an extended feature on him as well. Are we now at that point where this is the beginning of a significant breakout for Tim Stutzla? Because he's looked fantastic. I think so. Like, quietly, this is a really huge game tonight. Nashville-Ottawa. Sure is. Um, it's it's oh. a really big game. Every time I think of Stutzla, I think of spaghetti ice cream. Jeff, it brings back such phenomenal memories. Um, <laughs> I remember. I remember. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's played very well. The thing with me with Ottawa, though, like I liked what he said post game. They asked him about the hat trick, and he said, "I trade all those goals for a win," and that's the right answer. Yeah. Like Ottawa drags themselves into the race, and just when they're getting close, they have a game like they had on Saturday. I think what Ottawa needs is they need to they need to pull themselves even closer. Like that's the, that's the challenge for the Senators right now. No, no, no. Okay, you were within, like, say, six, seven points. Can you get to within five? Can you get to within three? That's the way I look at the Sanders right now. Can you drag yourself close to the race? And it's a hard thing to do when you've fallen behind. And Andrew Hammond ain't walking through that door anytime no. soon to drag you into that race. Uh, okay, take care of the throat, pal. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. 30 minutes on the radio really helps that, I hear. Mm-hmm. Nice and catchy. Now, now be quiet. Don't do any other shows today. That's it. You're exclusive. Uh, thanks for each. There he is from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman.